I am uh, extremely blessed this morning to be able to stand before you and share with you some some uh, great things that God is doing in our church family and the things He's continuing to give new life, some opportunities that He's continuing to give us to expand His kingdom for His glory. I mean, as you know, Pastor Steve, uh, in the video, he is visiting the Hindustan Bible Institute in India, and HBI has been a long-standing partner with, uh, with New Life, and we are continuing to support HBI and, and a variety of mission efforts around the world. One thing you may not know, I, I just thought I'd share this with you, that I don't know if you realize this, but each week when you give uh, your tithes and offerings into the general fund, 10% of what you give goes directly to uh, local outreach and uh, international ministry projects. And I don't know if you realize, but when you uh, write a check to New Life or put cash in the offering plate, from right here in Gehanna, Ohio, you are having direct impact on church planning in India, a variety of mission projects in Costa Rica and France and Haiti and China and all around the world. People are going to be in heaven because of ministry activity of our ministry partners and you are having a direct effect on them by supporting that effort. By people like you, people like me, who are generously loving Jesus Christ and being generous supporting mission efforts around the world. A generosity revolution that starts right here at New Life Church. And that's an exciting thing. Uh, I've been asked to give you uh, an update regarding the Generosity Revolution. And uh, the Generosity Revolution is a church-wide strategic initiative that Pastor Steve introduced to us in April of this year. And there's a team planning and working to identify outreach opportunities. And today I just want to share with you where we are in that process, where we're going, and especially how you can be involved in that. Because the Generosity Revolution, even though it is a new life initiative, it's driven by our desire to, in the words of John Piper, make Jesus look like the treasure that He is. That's why we do what we do. And it starts right here with us at New Life, with you becoming a discipled follower of Jesus Christ, someone who loves Jesus with all your heart, and is seeking to grow in your relationship with Him. It starts with you, and then you reaching out to our New Life family, and then it spreads to our city, and then it spreads to the ends of the earth, following Jesus Christ. Because you know, Jesus instructed us, I'm sure you're familiar with the words of Jesus, when He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He was quoting from Deuteronomy. And those were the words of Jesus. And we can talk about loving God, and we can sing great worship songs about loving God, we can preach sermons about loving God, we can discuss loving God in our small groups, we can teach classes about loving God, and out of a result of that, loving one another, we can talk about that continually. But until we actually engage and do something in love, do love to one another. All that talk is just that. It's just talk. 
And talking can make us really feel like we love God and love others. But if we're not engaging and if we're not actively loving one another and loving the world, our behavior kind of betrays our talk. And I don't believe any of us here at New Life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't believe that you want to be part of a church family that just talks about things, that just talks about love. I don't believe you want to be part of a church family that is, is okay with apathetic followers of Jesus Christ. I think in, deep down in your heart, as is in mine, you want to be part of something bigger than yourself. You want to be part of what God is doing in this world to exalt His name. And the reason I believe that is because I know that you've been created by God and He's placed that desire in your heart. And so, we want, the, we want New Life Church to be a place that actively reaches out and loves. Loves God and loves one another and loves the world. Don't you want to be part of a church, a family of believers who respond to the commands of Jesus Christ with enthusiasm and zeal? Amen. I do. The generosity revolution is just one tangible way that uh, all of us in this room right now can express that light that shines right in your eyes when you're standing up here. Can express that light of the love of Jesus Christ to a dark and hopeless world. The generosity revolution is one tangible way of doing just that. And so I'm sure we're all familiar with the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. Before I begin to share with us some of the specifics about the generosity revolution, I think it's important for us to take some time and explore what Jesus says because there are some foundational scriptures that are the key and the, and the whole point of why we're doing what we do with the generosity revolution. And in Matthew 28... Matthew records some words that Jesus spoke to the disciples just before he was ready to ascend back into heaven. These were the last words that Jesus was going to physically speak to these men. It was the last time he was going to be with them physically in their presence. And I know these words were very important to him. I'm sure when they gathered together that day, he probably didn't talk about the weather, probably didn't talk about their families. He probably didn't ask him about the trip, you know, hey guys, how was the trip? You know, did you have trouble finding the place? No. He probably didn't talk about politics, probably didn't talk about the price of wheat. No, he shared with them what was important in his heart and in his mind and in his spirit. And he commissioned them. He commissioned them to preach the gospel just as he commissions us. The words he said to them... He says to us. These words were very important to Jesus. That's why I think it's important for us to continually remind ourselves of these words. So let me read to you in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He begins these words 
He begins this, this command, this commissioning, by saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he ends by saying, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And that word authority there carries with it rich meaning because what Jesus is saying is, first of all, I have the ability to handle all of the authority in the universe. And I've been given the right to possess that authority. And I have the power to execute that authority. I can enforce that authority. I have the power and I know what to do with it. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. That's what He says to us. He said, guys, everything you see and everything you don't see is at my disposal. I have all of this power. And I'm giving you that authority to go into the world and carry out my plan. And the guarantee of that authority is the fact that I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. You're not going to be doing this on your own. You can do what I'm asking you to do. That was his commission to them, his commission to us, to go into the world. And where did he say to go? He said specifically all nations. And what did he say to do? Baptize them and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. What Jesus is saying is evangelize through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to witness about me, teach people about me, bring them to that knowledge so that they can become believing followers of me. And once they become believers, as a sign of that belief, baptize them. So we'll call that evangelize. And then he says, then train them. Train them to observe everything I command you. To help them become committed followers so that they can go and do the same thing. So that they can go into their world and preach the gospel. And that's our job. That's your job and my job. In our world, in our spheres of influence, to teach people about Jesus Christ. To become discipled followers of Him. And I think it's interesting in Acts 1, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go into all the world. And in Acts 1, He gives them a little bit more strategic plan. I'll just turn over there and read it to you. Acts 1, chapter 8, Jesus says, But you, I mean, chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. He says. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when you are filled with the Spirit. You will witness of me. Why? Because what's on the inside is going to come out. Because what you love. Is what you're going to talk about. What you love and who you are. Is what you're going to witness to. And when you begin this witnessing, start in Jerusalem, your local city, go to your region, Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. He said, start in your local town, spread out to your region, and then to the ends of the earth. And the words in Matthew 28, the command to go to all nations, and that local, regional, global focus, those aren't just good suggestions or ideas that we can take or leave. Those are commands for Jesus Christ to us. His desire is for us to do just that. So our generosity revolution efforts are patterned after Jesus' instruction. We want to obey what Jesus Christ asks us to do. 
And so the generosity revolution has a local, a specific local and a regional and a global focus. And our desire is to take the, the glory and the power and the praise of Jesus Christ to the world. And it begins right here in this room, in each one of us, and then it spreads to our city, and then it spreads to the world. So those two verses are, are key, important verses when we think about the generosity revolution. But I want to share with you one more uh, verse before we talk some specifics about the generosity revolution, and it's found in Psalm 46. You can turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Psalm 46, because I think this is a verse you need to mark in your word. I love Psalm 46, because Psalm 46 talks about God as our strong our stronghold, as our strong tower, as our security, as our source of life. And you know, I know there's lots of us in this room right now that are probably struggling in various ways. Families are losing homes. Families are losing jobs. This economic situation that we're in right now is really creating hardship on a lot of families. And let me encourage you, if you're going through that, and even if you're not, take note of Psalm 46 and cling to the words there. Because Jesus Christ knows what's going on in your life. You're not alone. He is your source of life. He is your hope. He is your peace. Well, Psalm 46 verse 10 has a, is, a, is a phrase that I'm sure we're all familiar with. We've all probably heard before. And he says, Be still and know that I am God. Struggle in your life, worry, fear, whatever's going on, and our minds are going back and forth. He says, stop, be still. Still your mind and still your heart on the truth. I am God. We're familiar with that phrase, I'm sure. I saw that phrase on a really cool picture the other day. It was, a, it was one of those uh, uh, Rocky Mountain, Colorado-type scenes with these huge, majestic peaks sticking up and the sun shining on those things and the blue sky and the clear lake. And across the bottom it said, Be still and know that I am God. What's interesting in this verse is we forget maybe the rest of it. And it's even more important. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God displays Himself by what He creates. The last two weeks, Pastor Steve's been talking about creation. And we, we talked about how that God's glory and His majesty and His power are known by what He creates. God has created all things. He's created the universe. He's created the galaxies in the universe. This is the Andromeda galaxy. It's the closest galaxy to the Milky Way. And I keep this picture on my desktop on my uh, computer in the office here. Because when I look at that picture, I think about something. I look at that and I think, that's what my dad made. My dad builds galaxies. The Bible says he holds all things together by the word of his power. His creation exalts and displays his glorious name. God says, I will be exalted among the nations. And He's worthy of that. But then He also exalts His name 
through us as his hands and his feet. He displays his character and his mighty glory by what he has made. But then he sends us out to go into all the world and exalt his name. Picture on the screen coming up, hopefully, is Kristen Burton. It's when we were in Africa uh, two months ago, and she's holding a precious little African girl right there. God exalts his name and shows his love also through us, through us going into all the world and declaring his name. What a glorious mission. What a glorious mission he's given us to proclaim his name and his fame and his glory to the nations of the earth. You want to know what the meaning of life is? That's it. That's why you were created. You were created in God's image to display his glory to all people, to love all people. Nothing you will ever do in your life, ever, will compare to the glory and the joy and the prestige and the value of cooperating with the Holy Spirit and bringing someone to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, helping someone to to know the glory and the power of Jesus Christ. That's a mission that compares with no other mission in the world. And that's who you were created to be. That's who we were created to be. By living for Him, having passion for Him, Proclaiming His name to the world. That's why we do what we do. That's why we want a generosity revolution to start right here in this body. Like a wildfire burning in our hearts that flames to each one of us and then spreads to our city and spreads to the world. A generosity revolution to exalt and glorify the name of God. So let me share with you some things about the generosity revolution right now. Because in April of this past year, as I said, Steve shared with us this strategic initiative. And when he spoke about it, he talked about the fact that it's focused on a local, a regional, and a global goal. Targeting our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And one of the key verses that's foundational to our generosity revolution is James one twenty seven, where James says, religion, and, uh, religion that is pure and undefiled is this, that you care for widows and orphans and you keep yourself spotless from the world. And that widows and orphans in that passage refers to those in society who couldn't help themselves. Because in that male-dominated world, all of the wealth, all the supply and source of life actually came through the husband. And if you were a woman without a husband or a child without a father, you struggled to survive. You had no real way of providing for yourself. And so James says, you serve God by serving those who struggle to survive and can't help themselves. That's serving God. So our local regional ministry goal is based upon wanting to serve those who are unable or struggling to survive. Our local ministry goal, our Jerusalem, if you will, is right here in this church family. We want to support single parent families in our body. Because we know that being a single parent is one of the toughest jobs you can ever, uh, ever engage in. 
trying to be mother and father and nurse and doctor and caregiver and mentor and provider and disciplinarian and coach. That's a hard task when you're all by yourself. And so single parents in this room right now, we want you to know we love you. We care for you and you're not alone. And we want to reach out and support you in your effort. We want to affirm and support you and give you the love and and support and hope that you need. And so along with the Great Food for All program and the Care Closet, we've held uh, two events. One was a, uh, in the summer, we, our, our men's ministry held expertly executed a oil change event for, uh, for some singles, parents in our, in our church. Uh, several single uh, mothers came and brought their cars and got their oil changed. And then just before school started, we had a clothing swap, a uh, breakfast bar, and a school supply um, uh, event to try to help single parents defray the cost of school supplies and, and school clothes before, before the school season started. And there's a team that's going to be planning some more events uh, for single parents over the next several months. And if you're a single parent here this morning, let me encourage you to participate, to engage. When you see these events offered, please come and let us serve you. And if you're not a single parent here this morning, let me challenge you to come and help. Come help us serve and reach out to those single moms and single dads that are just struggling to get by. Let us show a generosity revolution, a, a, a heart of love and support and hope to the single parents in our church. That is our local goal for the generosity revolution. Our regional ministry goal, our Judea and Samaria, is to partner closely with the Redeemed Community Church of Franklinton. And as you know, Redeemed Community is a church plant that's in our cities near west side out of, uh, planted out of Ecclesia, our New Life Church in the short north. And Redeemed Community Church held their first celebration service about six weeks ago. And uh, we've talked about uh, Franklinton before, but I just want to share with you to remind you of the condition of, of Franklinton. Franklinton is a broken community. You know, as we go home to our nice houses and our good neighborhoods and our good schools and stable families and that, that veneer of stability and promise that we live in. Just 10 miles or 10 minutes away from this building is Franklinton, a community that is troubled and broken. You can get on to 670 and you can be there in about 10 minutes. And the people in Franklinton live hopeless and desperate lives. It's harsh, it's troubled. It's a community where addiction and prostitution and crime and violence and broken homes are commonplace. And you know, we want to exalt God's name. God said, my name's going to be exalted in all the earth. Well, in Franklinton, there's no real evidence of God being exalted. Jesus Christ is not very well known in Franklinton. And we want to lift up His name and we want to make Him known to people who are hopeless because we know that lasting hope comes not through good jobs and stable homes and stable families, but lasting hope comes by having the Holy Spirit living inside you, being a follower of Jesus Christ and having true hope and true life. And so we believe that Redeemed Community Church can be a catalyst for change in Franklinton through, through their ministry plan. And their ministry plan is 
first and foremost, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly and biblically to people who need to know the truth. And then reach out and love through a generous heart, through a free laundromat, a community center, um, food pantry, clothing pantry, to preach the gospel, to preach the love of Jesus Christ, and then to show the love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in that community. Now, Redeemed is still in that startup phase right now, so there's not a lot of physical things that we here at New Life can actually do to support that ministry. But as time goes on, our desire is that many of you, many of us, will participate alongside Redeemed Community Church, helping them in their ministry outreach efforts right there to the lost and needy people just 10 minutes from this building in the near west side of Columbus. That's our call. Locally, we want to support the single mothers and single fathers who are trying to raise their children to be godly children in this family, in our church body. Regionally, we want to support and partner with Redeemed Community Church to reach Franklinton. And finally, globally, our outreach is to the ends of the earth. And for our global outreach, we want to attempt to do something that we've never done before. And that's create a sister church partnership with an international church body. We're going to continue to support a variety of mission efforts around the world in India and France and Costa Rica and China and Haiti. But specifically, this sister church opportunity is in Uganda. In uh, September of this year, a New Life team, there was 13 of us, traveled to Uganda. We, we participated in a variety of things, but in particular, we went to discover and uh, some information about how we could partner with a church in Uganda, an international church body. And just to give you some context, Uganda is about, uh, I'll say ge geographically, about the size of Indiana and Ohio put together. That's about the size of, 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 ge of uh, Uganda. And Kampala is a capital city of Uganda. And just outside of Kampala is what I'll loosely term a suburb, is a community called Gaba. And in Gaba, there is a church much like New Life called Gaba Community Church. And let me tell you, we, we attended two uh, of their celebration services, and this is an awesome body of believers. They love Jesus Christ. They preach the Word of God. They preach His Word. They want to see all of Uganda come to know Jesus Christ. Pastor Peter and his staff are just um, amazing followers of Jesus in their environment. And one of their ministry outreach plans is to plant churches all over Uganda, much like New Life is planting churches. Gaba Community Church is planting churches. But their struggle is the fact that most Ugandans live on about $30 a month. So Gaba Community Church has trouble supporting itself, let alone supporting their church plans. So they try to connect international churches in uh, Europe and in the U.S. directly with their church plants to come alongside those church plants and support them and help them any way they can so that the gospel is preached, so that God will be exalted, so that people will come to know Jesus Christ. 
And so one such church plant is in the district of Makono, the Makono Community Church. And we had the privilege of visiting Makona Community Church. And in fact, the ladies that went with us conducted a uh, two-day women's conference at Makono. Uh, our ladies were able to bless their ladies. And some pictures you'll see of the, of the women's conferences I'm talking. We were able to bless their ladies with the women's conference. We were able to minister to Pastor Davis Kigozi, his wife Betty, and his three children. It was just a great time. And our goal was to become a sister church partner for the McConnell Community Church. There's another church in Texas called Cornerstone Rockwell, and they've begun already working at McConnell. But we want to work alongside Rockwell in their efforts to support and minister to and minister with McConnell Community Church. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, why McConnell? Why that city? Why that church? And I think there's one very strategic reason why God has led New Life Church to Makono. Because you see, Makono Community Church is in the Makono District. And in the Makono District in Uganda, they are known for the practice and the proliferation and the spread of witchcraft. In Uganda, if you tell someone you are from Makono, they just immediately assume you are a practitioner of witchcraft because it is out of the Makono district that the witchcraft and satanic ritual practices are evangelized all over Uganda. And if that isn't bad enough, the terrible reality of, of this is the fact that child sacrifice and cannibalism is widespread in Makono and even throughout Uganda because of the dark, evil forces of witchcraft that are prevalent in that district. The head witch doctor of all of Uganda used to live a mile and a half from the Makono Community Church. Now you notice I said used to. Last year he died. And Pastor Davis shared with us that he and his congregation feel that was an answer to their prayers. Because they've been praying against this work. And he said to me that this man died and that has opened up the opportunity for them to spread the gospel. They've been praying against that work and he believes that God took that man out of the way. But also, even though he's gone, they still find evidence on Sunday mornings of, of all around their property on Saturday nights, various witch doctors and, and things will gather around and perform satanic rituals and things to try to thwart what God is doing in that, on that Makono property. And you know why? Because Satan is scared to death of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to thwart what God is going to do there. He wants to thwart that attempt to break the evil forces that are causing children of every age to be slaughtered in satanic rituals. Makono is a stronghold of evil. And Makono Community Church is a church that's right on the front lines of that spiritual warfare. They know what it's all about. And they are confident, as we are confident, that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to break the back of Satan in that, in that country and in the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, that word, that's, a, that's an applause moment. 
The power of the gospel. Amen. Now you think, that is such a hard work. How are we going to make a difference? How can we have any effect there at all? It does seem dark and hard. I mean, it's been grueling. Pastor Davis has been gruelingly working in that area for a few years. But let me share one story with you that, that's going to give you some perspective on how we can have a positive effect on what's happening in that, in that country and in that nation and even in the world. There's a uh, picture coming on the screen, and you'll notice those white chairs. That is a picture of Makono Community Church. And those 25 white plastic chairs, much like this chair. I know you've all been sitting there wondering, what in the world is he going to do with that chair? Well, those chairs in that picture are much like this white plastic chair. And the first day we arrived at Makono, our ladies were meeting with their ladies to talk about the women's conference to plan together. And we arrived and we saw that Pastor Davis had 25 of these white plastic chairs. And you saw in that picture, if you could put, the, put that picture back up on the screen for me, if you will, you'll notice the rest is just dirt floor, just dirt. And um, Pastor Davis had no option to provide any other type of seating or chairs. First of all, he didn't have any money. I mean, these people live on $30 a month. And even if he had money, there was no real way he could get the chairs from the factory where we had to get them to bring them to the church. So our team, using some of the ministry money we took with us, and then we took up our own little collection, we created a little pot of money because we purposed in our hearts that we wanted to provide chairs for the Women's Conference. So getting the chairs was an adventure, just let me tell you. While we were in uh, Africa, we used the, uh, the saying, TIA, this is Africa. Nothing ever works out the way you planned. And this adventure, it was an all-day adventure just to get the chairs back to the church. It was a TIA moment. But let me tell you, through, uh, through our work and through the money we were able to gather together, we were able to provide for Makono an additional 150 white plastic chairs. Yeah. These chairs were $7 a piece, but to people who live on $30 a month, they might as well have been $10,000 a piece. Okay? Now, you might look at this chair and think that this is just a cheap plastic chair, but you know what? After that first day we provided these chairs for Pastor Davis, he said to me, Claude, he had tears streaming down his face. Lord, this is, this is the best day of my life. The best day of my life. I thought, plastic chairs, the best day of your life? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. You see, these plastic chairs meant, meant the world to Pastor Davis because Jesus Christ means the world to Pastor Davis. He said, you've done a great work of evangelism here. Because he said, you see, around our church here, all the people that live in these houses, they have wood benches and they have dirt floors to sit on. 
And if all I have are wood benches and dirt floors, when I invite them to come to church so that I can preach the gospel to them, so I can teach them about Jesus, they won't come. But when we have these white or these plastic comfortable chairs, comfortable chairs, he said they will come. They'll come to just be able to sit in the chair, to have a chair to sit in. And then when they come, I can preach the gospel to them. I can share with them the love of Jesus Christ. He said, you don't know the work that you've done. This is the best day of my life. Well, what's interesting about that is up until that time, Pastor Davis shared with us that his attendance was somewhere around 40 people on the weekend. The Sunday after we provided them the chairs, they had 120 people show up for church. People who don't know Jesus. And Pastor Davis preached the gospel. The people whose hearts are gripped by the demonic forces of the enemy. Sacrificing children for Satan's plan. But they got the gospel preached to them that day. So we can make a difference, church, in the lives of people around the world, people we've never met, can come to know Jesus Christ. We're letting Gaba Church direct our efforts and those of Rockwell Church because there's lots of things to do and they're going to kind of guide us in how to do that. There's several physical projects being discussed uh, buying the land that they're on, helping them to complete their church building. They're trying to build a, a church building right now. Sponsoring 300 children. Uh, when they're sponsored, they get to go to school. They get three meals a day. They get a uniform. And they come to Macono Church to be taught about Jesus Christ. Building a medical clinic, running water lines. There's lots of physical things we can do to support them. And this relationship is still forming because we were just there in September. But but our goal is to provide money to fund their efforts, plus various ministry teams going various times throughout the year to provide VBS and training and physical labor and women's conferences and medical, um, uh, medical help and business training and all kinds of things. Whoever you are and whatever you do, you can be used in Uganda in some way for Jesus Christ. So if you're willing, we can put you to work in Uganda as time goes on to reach the lost and hopeless community of Makono, to join Makono Community Church in their efforts. So our generosity revolution is a strategic initiative to support the single-parent families in our church, our Jerusalem, to partner with Redeemed Community Church in Franklinton, and to partner with Makono Community Church in Uganda. And so you may be thinking, Claude, I hear what you're saying. But what can I do with this? What am I supposed to do? I don't know these people. I don't, I've never been there. I don't know what to do. How can I get involved? Let me just say, for starters, let's think that Jesus expressed His love to us by dying. He stepped out of heaven to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so how much more should we be giving ourselves away for Him? 
As we leave uh, today, I just want to give you two specific takeaways that you can uh, think and pray about. Because this generosity revolution, it's not about us, but it's about Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go, Acts one, he said, go to your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God because my name is going to be exalted around the earth. And we are the ones that are going to be part of helping God's name be exalted around the earth. Amen. So today, first of all, let me, first and most importantly, let me just ask you to pray. Because no... Uh, lasting effect will, will occur from anything we do if we haven't prayed. I think it was John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress that says you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can do nothing more than pray until you've prayed. So pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart to give you that desire to engage at some level, maybe re- local, maybe regional, maybe global. Pray where you're going to engage in our generosity revolution. Pray for the single parents in our church. Pray for one another as we're all serving together. Pray for the folks in Franklinton that need to know Jesus Christ. Pray for the folks in Makono that are gripped by the dark forces of the enemy. Pray for our mission efforts in India and Costa Rica and China and Haiti and and France and wherever else. Be praying. And then second, give. You can give. Every year we collect a special Christmas offering thanking God for the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, to us. What a glorious gift. And so this Christmas offering is always used for a variety of ministry partners throughout the world. We support our missions effort. And Generosity Revolution is going to be part of that Christmas offering this year. So you can begin now by praying about how how you're going to be involved in that Christmas offering and be laying some things aside. Because we talk about being a brother's keeper. You know, we shared together praying earlier in this service. We talk about being a brother's keeper. And one way you can be a brother's keeper to, to the single parents in our church and to the mission efforts around the world is through your gift in that Christmas offering. So through praying for one another and supporting each other and through projects like our generosity revolution, we can be brothers keepers here at New Life Church.